John chapter number 17. I know we just finished up a couple weeks ago as we preached through the Ten Commandments. And uh, anybody else want to try to quote all Ten Commandments? Got it settled? Need to, need to finish that up. You've been working on quoting the Ten Commandments. We won't take them this afternoon. Keep working on it. And, uh, but we're thankful to be able to go through that. Listen, those things are not obsolete. But uh, the Lord Jesus reiterated those. We looked at it in the New Testament and uh, all that the Lord has for us, except for remember the Sabbath. And of course, we looked at in the New Testament that Jesus is our Sabbath and uh, we rest in Him. Isn't that a blessing that uh, I don't have to wait till Saturday to get some rest in the Lord Jesus? I'd already be looking forward to Saturday when I woke up on Sunday morning. And, uh, but I want to take the next few weeks, and I'm just going to lay some groundwork to it today. But uh, I've had a burden on my heart for several months, just waiting for the timing of the Lord uh, to be able to enter into this, be able to preach this. But uh, we'll take the next few weeks. There is a lot of things, and I'll use the word stuff, that is taking place in our world today that is affecting our families affecting our young people, and it seems like everywhere we go, um, they are connected uh, to internet, connected to social, everything on the news is bombarding our families, our thought processes, everything. And it seems like the agenda of wickedness and the world is definitely 100% ramping up its attack on Bible Christianity, on the family, on young people. And I want to take the next few weeks, it'll be at least four or five, and I want to preach on this subject matter really under this umbrella. We'll look at several topics underneath this, but keep them biblical. And isn't that a good thing when you come to church and the preaching, it ought to stay biblical, right? And uh, But I'm putting it under the umbrella of this on living biblically in a social world. Living biblically in a social world. And uh, there are so many things we would say, and I'm not, it's not just going to be four or five messages on social media, except there is enough to preach that's going to be included on what is a biblical response, what is biblical principles for approaching these things. But then social issues uh, throughout this world, things that are prevalent in our nation and around this world today, and unfortunately more prevalent in America than actually in a lot of nations around this world. But uh, we are going to be looking at these social issues. We're going to be looking at uh, this social world that we live in, a biblical response dealing with biblical issues, living biblically in a social world. Because all of a sudden we think, listen, I don't need to be a Christian on social media. Sure we do. I think we ought to, we're supposed to be a Christian if God's changed our lives in every aspect, everywhere we are. I would love to just, and, and I may just do this in a few weeks, just give a list of do's and don'ts on what you ought not to do on Facebook. I ought, ought to just say, listen, don't do it, okay? 
and uh, on Twitter, on TikTok. It ought to be banned anyway. But I mean, just all these things that just over and over, we live in a social world. You see a social agenda that the, the news media and wickedness is promoting all around us. And I found out this, you start talking to the average Christian, they just don't know how to deal with it. What's a biblical response to it? Okay, and so we're in John chapter 17 because I want to lay the groundwork because I know these next few weeks has the very good possibility of you just walking out every Sunday afternoon saying, man, he beat me up again. No, not me, the scriptures. I want, I want biblical principles, <laughs> living biblically in a social world because this is a reality in 2023, And so I want to come back to John chapter 17 to be able to lay the groundwork of us living in this world, but not of this world, okay? How many know, except for providential uh, hindrance or interruption, we're waking up on planet Earth tomorrow morning? Whether we, or we go through the valley of the shadow of death and we see our Savior, or the Lord Jesus comes back and I'm fine with it, and we'll just be for forever with Jesus. That would be fine too, okay? Because I do have a flight on Thursday morning, and I'm with what Matthias said. I don't look forward to getting on. It's just crazy out there, okay? And uh, But we look at these things. Unless the Lord comes back or we pass on, we're waking up tomorrow in, on planet Earth. And listen, it's not going to get better before the Lord comes back. I'm not a I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm a realist. I believe the Bible, but I do believe greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. And I want to share just a few principles. John chapter 17, as we look at it, we're not going to read the entire passage. This truly is John 17. This truly is the Lord's prayer. Okay. Now, when you get back to Matthew chapter six, that's a model prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's a model prayer for us to be able to look at. What are some things that's supposed to be included in our prayer life? But here, in John chapter seventeen, so the curtains of the privacy of the Lord Jesus Christ are being rolled back in one of the darkest hours that the Lord Jesus Christ is facing. As he's preparing to go to the cross, to be able to face that which was just very briefly described this morning, the Lord Jesus knew what was facing him. Lord Jesus knew what was coming. And so this is his personal, private time with his heavenly Father, for him to be able to spend time in prayer. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you in your prayer time have ever said something to the Lord and you've poured your heart out to the Lord that you would not want to be published up here for everybody to be able to see? Anybody ever done that? Slip your hand up. It's okay. I've done that too. There's some things I've said in my prayer life that I'm thinking, you know something? I don't want it. I'm not talking ridiculing or condemning the Lord. I'm talking about some private things that just I'm bearing my soul to the Lord and saying, Lord, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. I wouldn't want that to be written down and preserved from this generation forth. <laughs> I wouldn't want that. And, and now the Lord knew. He is the Word. But we're given this, this, this raw insight into Jesus as He's praying. 
and he's spending some time. And so it's amazing as you look down through here that the majority of his prayer is not for himself. The majority of his prayer is for others. And I want you to see this. I want to read a few verses in verse, starting in verse number 13. We're right in the middle of his prayer time here with his heavenly father. John chapter 17, verse number 13. He says, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now I'm going to stop reading there, but how many times did he say down through there, they are not of the world? You remember, as, and we've sang it several times uh, throughout, I believe, in our songbook. It's page number 485. Don't quote me on that. But uh, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Now listen, that, that song closes out with one of the verses saying, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Can I remind us for a child of God, we ought not to feel real comfortable down here as part of this world. In fact, I would take it a step further, that if you're more comfortable with the people and the things of this world than you are with the things and the people of God, there's a problem spiritually. I would use the old analogy. We use it with little kids. We use it with trying to make something fit that a Christian in this world is like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Just doesn't fit. Well, Jesus is praying here and he's praying for his disciples that are right there. But I believe, and we see it later on in the prayer, I believe he's praying for those that are coming afterwards. And as I reminded us in the morning service, he is still there in heaven and he ever liveth to make intercession for each of us. In other words, Jesus is there praying for us today. Who would you rather have praying for you, me or Jesus? Now, I'm still going to be praying for you, okay? But I know Jesus can do a whole lot better job. And here Jesus is giving us some insight. Imagine how it was. He said to the apostle Peter before he went to the cross, he said, listen, Peter, I'm praying for you because Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But then he said, but I've prayed for you. Imagine how much of a comfort that was to the apostle Peter at that time. Now, he still ended up denying Christ. He denied him three times. He repented, I believe, wept bitterly, got things right. God used him on the day of Pentecost, and about 3,000 souls were saved, baptized, added to the church. Thank the Lord for all of it taking place. Jesus was praying for him. 
And we see it here. Now, before we get into all these things and the principles of living socially, and yes, it is going to reveal and be brought to the forefront how wicked and evil this world is around us. I believe some Christians have their head in the sand right now about the wickedness that is abounding on every side. We're going to, listen, it'll be brought to the forefront. There's preachers that are out there. Listen, Andy Stanley came out that uh, just a, a few weeks ago, there was a video going around, a little clip of his preaching saying, listen, our faith isn't tethered to the word of God. I'm thinking even the Bible says, by, uh, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen, it's not just the worldly crowd out there, but I'm talking it has infiltrated inside churches that the wickedness of this world is abounding on every side. And we understand this. So before we get into that, I want to lay this foundation, understanding that we are not of this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. You say, what's the difference? Well, every one of us, as I just said, are waking up on planet earth tomorrow. Okay but we're not to be of this world, which means that our focus, our identity, and our passions are not to be the things of this world that's just going to pass away. So when we start saying, well, what, what fun can we have then? Hey, listen, I just had a blast the last five days have, being with our teenagers up north. They were, I, I don't believe we had any attitudes we didn't have a, I don't want to be here. We had, I mean, two that got saved, other decisions for the Lord. I was thankful for it. Devotion time. Hey, Miss Crystal and I were sent a picture yesterday. I don't tell you who it is. Miss Crystal and I were sent a picture yesterday. And here's a teenage girl that was sitting on the bed with her dad, had their Bibles open and studying, doing devotions together. And she said, this just makes my heart happy. I said, why wouldn't it? Now, listen, I have an absolute spiritual blast living here on this earth. I love my life. I love what God allows us to do. We have fun. I laugh. I joke. Listen, I don't think there's anybody loves to have more fun than I do. Sometimes too much. You, you guys know that, okay? It was Charlie Russell that's a friend of mine, right? He, was, had to be, he had to be told, remember last Sunday afternoon? He had to be told at a funeral by his wife. You need to remember where you're at right now. Okay, I mean, I mean, seriously, his wife had to say that. We love having a great time, but we also know the reality of this world. And so I want to share a few things. Listen, just as foundational uh, preface to what we'll be going over uh, for the next uh, few weeks, I want, you to, I want you to look at this. I want you to see, first of all, no matter what you hear over the next few weeks in the reality of the wickedness of this world, look at verse number 13. Jesus said, and now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I just want to remind us, listen, as you look around and as you hear things, there is absolutely nothing that can take and steal the joy of the Lord out of your hearts. And I believe we just need to remember that because sometimes we as God's children get walking around, and I don't know if this has happened lately, we get walking around as it was said years ago, and, and you start looking like your mother-in-law just moved in with you. 
Anybody have that happen? <laughs> Some of y'all know how that is. I had, there, was, there was about three, four years of my life when we lived down in Tennessee. That wasn't as funny. <laughs> because my wife had to drive up to Maine and pick up my mother-in-law and move her to Tennessee with us. And she moved in with us. And I said, oh, that's not funny anymore. That's not funny. But some of us, listen, we fail to remember that we are a child of God. And yes, the Lord Jesus reminds us that in this world, we will have tribulation. We understand there's going to be hard times coming. It's not going to be a bed of roses as you stand up and desire to live for God and raise your family right and commit to the principles of the word of God. It's not going to be everybody you come in contact with. Oh, I'm so thankful that you're living for God and that you're faithful in church now. Hey, there's going to be people out there in the world. They don't understand this. They don't understand what it means. You don't want to go to the beach on Sunday because you want to go to church. They're not going to understand that. You mean you're going to take a whole week out of your summer and you're going to go listen to preaching and go to Bible camp all week long? Why not? They're not going to understand. But when Jesus said, hey, you'll have tribulation, he also reminded us in the book of Hebrews, hey, you've not yet resisted unto blood. Hey, someone making fun of us for going to church on a regular basis, at least they're not trying to take our head off for it. Not yet anyway. Hey, I say thank the Lord that we're not, and we, we have security around. They're watching your cars. Don't worry. Everything's fine. As far as I know, <laughs> everything's fine. Hey, we're not worried about someone coming in here saying it's against the law to open that Bible. It's against the law to publicly pray. We're not worried about that right now. We're not resisted unto blood. But listen, it, it may not be the, the easiest to take a stand as a husband, as a father, as a godly lady, as young people to say we're going to live right in this world. But he said, I want you to know through all of that, he said, I want my joy fulfilled in them. He said, I want them to know there's something they can have on the inside that's going to make a difference and nobody can take that away. So listen, we can walk in the joy of the Lord on a regular basis. When he said in this world, you will have tribulation. What was the next phrase? But be of good cheer. You say that, that just, that's just opposite each other. You mean I'm having tribulation, but hey, cheer up. My dad always said, cheer up. Things could get worse. And you know the rest of it. He said, sure enough, I cheered up and they got worse. <laughs> but we've got something inside of us that this world, no matter the wickedness that is out there, that cannot take away from us. And it is the joy of the Lord. Can I also remind us of this? Not only is it the joy of the Lord that we have but I love right here in verse number 14 what he said about his disciples. He said in verse number 14, I've given them thy word. And the world hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, do you understand? Listen, you say, well, there's coming a day. They've done it before. They'll try to take that Bible away. Hey, do you understand right now there, there, there is wickedness across our nation that if they had their way this book right here would not be quoted. 
they will classify, you mark my words down, before the end of time, they will classify this book as hate speech from beginning to end. They'll classify it as hate speech. You say, what are we going to do? Listen, I'm just letting you know, show up, we're preaching. You say, what if they come in and take the Bible off there? Listen, if they come take my Bible, it's not the first time I looked at those verses before I get up to preach, by the way. And listen, I, I may not get every word downright or something, but I do know enough of that. We'll have something every Sunday. I thought, listen, do you know there's always been an attack on the Word of God? Jesus said, I, I've given them thy word, and they hated them. It is amazing the difference that this makes. If I ever want to sit by myself on an airplane, especially Southwest where it, it, it's open seating, you just walk on and pick whatever seat you want. It's great. Just walk on. Now, you that just only use your phone or your iPad for a Bible, it doesn't, doesn't make this difference, okay? Because they'll tell you to pick your iPad up. But go ahead and just take that Bible and lay it out on the seat next to you. That'll be the last seat that gets filled. <laughs> Unless you get a missionary coming back from the field and they're like, man, we're going to talk the whole time as we're on the flight. And I'm thinking, man, I put it there because honestly in my flesh, I wanted to sleep for the next hour and a half. Just late. You know, it's amazing. You know, there's a lot of books around this world that have a black cover to it. But isn't there just something they know and how to identify that one? They know exactly what it is. They know exactly but listen, here, here's what I want to encourage us with. They may have all the wickedness of the world, but we got the Word of God. We have the written manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have it. Now listen, if we understand that we have His joy and that can't be taken away from us and He has given us His Word, what are we doing with it? You say, what if they do come and take it? Hey, why do you think every week there's a memory verse that's put in the bulletin? Why do you think every Thursday there's a memory verse that's given out at the midweek service and on Thursday in service, we're quoting memory verses together? You know why? Because we're trying to hide some in our hearts that we can go back and remember. Now, I'm not going to ask you right now if you remember the memory verse from the beginning of Philippians about eight months ago. But I guarantee you this, there's enough that if, if, if we went over it a little bit, there'd be enough that'd be able to say something be able to recall it back to mind. Hey, listen, God's given us his word. So no matter what you uh, hear and see over the next few weeks on biblical principles for living in a social world, understand we've got God's word and we can hold to it. It's not changing. He's given us a word. Now, listen, I also want you to understand this as we look through this, because many times when we look at the wickedness of this world and we say, I want nothing to do with that. All of a sudden, we start saying, okay, I'm not even going to talk to them. I'm not even going to try to influence. Can I remind us of this? Listen, we are in the world, but not of the world. And Jesus was actually praying for his disciples right here in verse number 15. He said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world. Why? You say, well, man, it would be great if, if Jesus was ascending to heaven, just take the disciples with him. Wouldn't it be a blessing if at the moment of salvation, God just took us out of here and we got to go to heaven? Who would be around to tell someone else? 
And Jesus right here is saying, I'm not praying you take them out of the world. But the world's going to hate them. The world's going to persecute them. The world hates them because they've got the word. The world hates them. I want my joy to be fulfilled in them. But listen, no matter what's going on around us, we have a ministry that God's given to us. Do you understand what's going to make a difference in this world around us? Jesus is. That's what's going to make a difference. Do you know what's going to change a life? You know what's going to clean up a mouth? Jesus is. Oh, you say, man, I go to work and all they do is just cuss all day long. Start witnessing to them a little bit. You never know what Jesus will do. You never know. Boy, Jesus can clean up a mouth. Jesus can clean up from the bottle. You say, there's so much drunkenness that's all around us. Man, it's everywhere. They're advertising there. You know what I'm getting sick of in New Hampshire? Can I get on my hobby horse for a little while? First of all, I don't believe the state ought to be running every liquor store that's on every corner. I don't think the state ought to be in the liquor business. Well, we're taking the money and putting it into rehab. You're creating your own work. I get sick of it being championed everywhere across our state. Here's a new brewery that popped up. Seems like everybody in their basement's trying to brew beer. And I'm thinking, do they have nothing else to do? And we wonder why the addiction rate and, and why it just continues to decline across our society. Hey, you know what'll make a difference with a drunkard or a drug addict? or in a marriage that's falling apart, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ will make a difference in someone's life. We still have a ministry. We still have a part. But you say, Pastor, we're up here in New Hampshire. It's absolutely wicked. Boy, wouldn't it be a blessing if God just put us in Tennessee? I mean, everybody's saved down there. Everybody's saved. You can go knock on a door. I mean, there's a hundred Baptist churches in 20 miles of their house. Guarantee it. Man, it'd just be great. Everybody, man, everybody loves each other. It's a blessing. I found out this sin is sin no matter where you're at. Sin is sin. And Jesus will make the difference. Do you understand we got a purpose and a plan that God's given to us and why we're alive in this generation? Now, I want you to think about this. By the hand of God, we could have been born. Some have said, man, I wish I was born back in the good old days. And what they mean by the good old days is they had to walk out to an outhouse. They had to run to get their water. Some are still saying, still sounds pretty good. <laughs> Lived in the middle of 200 acres with no neighbors. You only had to go to church once a month because that's when the preacher came through. He was on a circuit ride, and now everybody's in for that. Once a month when the preacher comes to town. We say, I'll be in the good old days. Do you understand God knows what he's doing and putting you in this generation right now? Because God has something for you to do in the middle of a wicked and perverse generation. But we better not get sidetracked by the wickedness of this world. We better not be partaking in it. We better be separating from it. But at the same time, while separating from wickedness, 
be willing to show them the grace and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you do not have to participate down at the bar to be able to go reach a drunkard. You don't have to. Hey, if I'm trying to reach some addicts, now Kevin and Jocelyn and I going out on Friday night, listen, we didn't go somewhere and shoot up with everybody else just so we'd know how to be able to reach them. We don't have to, okay? We can still point them to Christ. Christ will make a difference. God has a purpose for us. I know we pray, God, even so come Lord Jesus. Lord, would you come back? Would you deliver us from this? Would you get us out of this? But while we're here, listen, let's learn how to respond biblically to the wickedness in the culture that's around us. And let's ask God to be able to use us. Don't lose your joy just because we're living in a wicked world. Don't, listen, the world can't take our joy from us. We have the Word of God, and we have a purpose that God's given to us. And so let's be praying. Listen, some of it may shock you over the next few weeks. I, I, I hope, hope you're not shocked. I hope you realize and don't have your head in the sand about the wickedness of this world that's around us, okay? That they are coming after your family. They are coming after your children. They are coming after our churches. I'm talking just wickedness, and I'm not talking conspiracy theory when the Bible tells us that it's coming, okay? And it's not a conspiracy theory if it's true, by the way, okay? Now, understanding what the Scriptures say, a biblical response, living biblically in a social world. How do we respond to it? What's the reality of it? And remember through all of it, listen, as bad as it gets, we still have Jesus. Let's make an intercession for each and every one of us. You say, I can't do this. How many have said, boy, I'd hate to be bringing children into this world in the condition that it's in? Same Jesus. Same Bible. Same Holy Spirit. If God did it for previous generation, He can do it for this generation. Okay? And so let's be asking God to be able to help us to keep our joy, stay in the Word of God, realize our purpose and our plan that God has for us, and then, I won't get into it, verse number 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. In all of this, and that will be our springboard in the next few weeks, as wicked as the world is, we still need to be separate. Sanctify them through thy word, thy word is truth, we can still live for God. Do you understand our church doesn't have to become like the world to be able to reach the world? Someone asked me, do you have a concert at your church? I said, I'm just the opinion. If they want to go to a concert, they can go on Saturday night. I said, when we come to church, we're coming to church. I said, I wouldn't get up and be here for 9 o'clock if it's just a concert. I'm sleeping in on a Sunday morning. That's not church. I believe God has something for us. We stay separate from the world. Be sanctified through the Word of God.